Thank you for listening to the Unpolished MBA podcast. If you're tuning in for the first time, this episode is part of our holiday 2023 special series called Unpolished Gold. It's a curated collection of conversations and insights designed to highlight career professionals navigating transitions and experts with a wealth of knowledge to share. So as the year winds down, it's the perfect time to reassess, rebrand, and reinvigorate your career aspirations, remembering that every challenge is an opportunity in disguise and every transition is a doorway to new possibilities. Stay tuned for our next episode. And if you'd like to be a guest during a special series running through New Year's 2024, go to unpolishedmba.com forward slash gold. And don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with anyone who might benefit from these insightful discussions. Here's to uncovering and celebrating the unpolished gems within us all. Happy holidays. Welcome to the Unpolished MBA podcast and our special holiday series called Unpolished Gold, Mining for Talent in Transition, where we uncover the hidden gems of the professional world this holiday season. As I mentioned, I think that the turn of events for you can be inspirational for other people that are kind of trying to figure out what their next steps are as far as uh, their career transition. Yeah. And so I really appreciate you being here and being willing to just open up. I'm happy to do it. Woohoo. All right. So hello, everyone. I have a special guest today on our Unpolished Gold series, Cameo Duran. Hello, Cameo. Hello, Monique. How are you today? I'm doing well. And I want to thank you for being on and being willing to kind of share your journey through your career, recent events, right? With your career transition. Um, One of the things that uh, got me to reach out to you is a post that you did on LinkedIn. So you want to go ahead and share it. <laughs> no, I'm happy to share it. So just over two months ago, I got laid off from my job. I had worked there for a, mo- a year and a half and I was a VP, part of the executive team. I was the only member of the executive team who got laid off in that round of layoffs. But the post that you're referring to was two months later. And you know, I started the post by saying two months ago, I got laid off. And then, you know, I talked about a little bit about the journey of what I had gone through after my layoff and used that as, to announce the launching of my new consultancy. So wait, Camille Labs. <laughs> Camille, Camille Labs. Camille Labs. So I wanted to ask you about when you mentioned some of the things you went through, like right after your layoff. Can you kind of dig into that a little bit? So, you know, it's funny because I think... I have been through a layoff before. It's been eight or nine years since the last time. But I think we have this vision in our minds that maybe a layoff is less painful than getting fired because there's not this overt, um, you know, you didn't perform. But it's hard not to take it personally if you're, you, you know, your coworkers are still there doing the job every day and you're not 
invited back, right? Like it, mm-hmm. I think, I think that I needed a little bit of time to, to kind of sit with myself and, and get to the point where it was like, Hey, you know what, this, this is, this can be a blessing for me rather than being a, a judgment or something that I feel like I have to carry with me. But it, you know, I had a little bit of time where I was licking my wounds. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's completely human. It would be, it, it would be odd if you didn't feel anything from that kind of abrupt change. Was there anything that you at first were like, oh my gosh, you know what? This is the time for me to do something else. Or were you immediately trying to figure out how you could do a similar job somewhere else? I, I have really, really wanted to launch my own consultancy for a couple of years. And I, I was on, I had gone so far as to have a completely set up, ready to go website Mm -hmm. and kind of a lot of, I had been working the social side really hard. And this was back before I took the, the job that I got laid off at. And then when that job kind of fell in my lap, it was one of those kind of just too good of an opportunity to pass up. And so I let my consultancy that I had been about to launch just, they they kind of told me, hey, you can have your consultancy, but you can't promote it. You can't be talking about it. You really can't be pushing it while you're working for us. And so I just backburnered it. And so the minute I got laid off, yes, I, I did say, oh, okay, this is the universe telling me that it's time to do this thing that I just have been pushing off that I wanted to do. But in spite of that, I still reached out to friends that I knew that might have jobs and really kind of worked my network for a little while because jobs feel less scary than entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. and your own thing, right? And so but then the first time somebody said, well, do you have a, a resume? And at this point, you know, it's been four years since I last updated my resume. And I, as I just looking at that screen and trying to imagine myself going back to another VP position, I just couldn't do it. And and so I, I thought, okay, this is this really is the universe just helping me find the courage that I didn't have myself. (laughs) I mean, it sounds like it was, you know, it was kind of ruminating in the back of your mind, but just as you said, people, we tend to think that, you know, um, the job is safer. Yeah. And in reality it's actually not because they can let you go at any moment. And then you have to scramble to figure out what's next. And that's scary to me because you don't, it's unexpected. At least if you're running a business, you can see if the money is running low, if the customer pipeline is running low and you can do something about it. So it's, I don't, I don't see it as being safer at all, but I can see how a lot of people feel that way. It, it, well, and, you know, societally we are expected to have jobs, you know, and, and yeah, I think it's, it's a little bit comforting to know that the the success of of what you do every day relies on kind of other people not somebody solely mm-hmm. you know <laughs> yeah yeah that's well you know what the, the, again that's a, that's a that's a good thing and a bad thing right I, especially in in these economic times 
you know, companies kind of just look at the numbers. It's not personal if they let you go. It's, it's really not personal. That hurts. Yeah, it does. It does, you know, but kind of watching what's happening with OpenAI where they fire. Oh, like, oh you know, for no, for what looks like no reason, like that really has been interesting to watch because what a reminder that if somebody else is signing your paycheck, even if you're the boss, you you have no control over what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. That open AI drama is still ongoing. It the- is. <laughs> it's still ongoing. In those types of situations, you know, where it's the startup and they've raised venture capital and you have a board of advisors and uh, I'm sorry, board of directors. Yes. And they get to decide whether you stay or go and all of that. Now, you you don't have all those issues with Camille Labs because yeah. it's your small business and you're in control. Yeah, you know, and even I and I've it's not even been a full month that I've officially been in business and I already have a customer that I'm going to fire. And, you know, it's I think of all the times that I've worked in corporate situations that I like was in a position that made me not feel good, right? Working with a jerky person and I just kind of put up with it, mm-hmm. but I was in, a, you know, the second meeting with this client and I was like, oh, I don't want to spend time with this person mm-hmm. and I don't have to. And so, you know, I was really polite about it. I said, I just, you know, I don't think this is a fit. And I can take my, my business someplace else. And that's like an amazing feeling. (laughs) Yes. Oh, for sure. To be able to decide who you work with and, and the work that you do is so, I mean, it's so much freedom in that. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I think that that alone is the, the counter, the counterweight to that fear of having to own your own destiny is also like every day you get to decide kind of what makes you happy. And in a way, I think we almost get used to work has to be hard. And we, we just Mm -hmm. internalize like, oh, I guess I just go and be unhappy, but I just, I've got to believe in this abundance of the world where maybe I can actually be happy in what I do and and find people who want to work with me because of the value that I bring and not be jerks. Right. And, mm-hmm. and we can we work together. And I, I just have got to believe there's enough really awesome people in the world that, that maybe I never have to work with a jerk again. <laughs> <laughs> and there is, but as you can see, that's a big mind shift, right? Because just as you mentioned, for whatever reason, we've been programmed to think that work isn't supposed to necessarily be enjoyable. It just pays the bills. It just It's just a part of being an adult and living, and it just is what it is. And I think that a lot of people's minds mind shifted during the pandemic with the you only live once kind of thing, you know. I want to enjoy my time while while I'm here. I'm not sure what's going to happen next. And it's been a lot of people having that mind shift. And uh, so what do you think as far as what was the catalyst for you to say, you know what, I, I just want to be happy in what I do every day. I don't have to be miserable. So I will admit 
to kind of having some fortune in that because I was in a VP role, it was pretty well paid and I was meticulous about putting some money aside because I, I don't think I would be in as good, you know, in, in the same mindset if, mm-hmm. if I was feeling desperate to, to pay the bills. And, that, and so I, I think that that's an important note, you know, that I had that, that blessing to have, have put away a little bit of a nest egg and it's, it's not a lot, but I, I think that at the end of the day, you've got to believe in yourself and, and just have that courage to imagine just depending on yourself being enough to carry, to carry you through the hard times, you know, it's, and it's interesting because you think about how hard it is to look for a job. Yeah. It's so hard. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it's kind of constantly discouraging, right? I mean, even, or, or big peaks and troughs of, oh, I, it's looking like I, I'm getting traction on this. Maybe I'm getting an interview and now, oh, I don't, I don't get it. And I, there, there was definitely a, like a matrix that I wrote out where it was, hey, if I'm going to spend the next, I, I have a lot of friends who've been looking for jobs for six months. Oh, and I know, yeah, I know people longer than that. Yeah. And, and, you know, if I'm going to spend six months where I don't have income anyway, a job search isn't actually a a productive thing if you don't get a job. Mm -hmm. I mean, (laughs) yeah. And, and if I'm going to, even, even if I don't build a really successful business, there are a lot of small ways that I can start making money and, and be using that energy that I would have put into a job search into something that feels like being more true to myself anyway. I'm so glad that you said that because it sounds like you feel empowered. Like, you know, I can take care of myself. I don't have to wait for someone to pick me. Yeah. Yes. And what, oh, I love that. How you put that. That is exactly how how it feels because when you're in a job search, you're waiting somebody for somebody to pick you and and you don't actually have almost any control you can mm-hmm. you can you know reach out to people very you know build relationships all the things they tell you to do network etc um but at the end of the day you are waiting for someone else and and i i definitely feel like i have a little more control where i'm not i'm not i don't I'm not waiting for someone else yeah agreed i can agree with you there so you know, we were talking about your initial, your first clients, right? So typically the situation where where you found, oh, maybe this client is not quite a good fit. That happens a lot. Like when businesses first start, because you're kind of finding your way. Yeah. So based upon your experience thus far, what kind of advice would you give others that are like, hey, I don't want to be in a line saying, pick me, pick me and waiting for someone else to give me an opportunity to take care of myself and provide an income for myself. What advice would you give others that are considering this leap into entrepreneurship versus doing a career change, uh, another job change? So I think the big advice would be to not 
think it's as complicated to potentially start your own thing as it seems like, right? Like I, I think mm-hmm. it's really easy mm-hmm. to convince yourself that it's an enormous amount of effort to start your own thing or, or cost. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a couple of very simple, even if you're still going to be doing a job hunt, what if you interspersed it with a small fractional consultancy? What's your expertise and what's a small kind of engagement that you could offer somebody an hour long assessment or a, a, an evaluation that you maybe even don't need to charge a whole lot at the beginning, but you know, you can go on to HubSpot and set up a free website in a couple of hours off of a template. Mm-hmm. And no, you don't even need to go buy a domain. You just go make a website and publish it and, you know, start looking for people on LinkedIn who are maybe hiring in their organization for your function reach out to somebody kind of higher up in the organization and say, hey, it looks like you're hiring for a marketing XYZ. While you're in the middle of that, hey, maybe I could come in and run one of these, you know, analysis over on your team or or whatever that thing, like come up with something small you can offer people mm-hmm. and then start talking about it on, on LinkedIn. It's, I think it's still amazingly easy on LinkedIn to establish expertise. And, and there's, I think, a really strong feeling of positive momentum. If, if even if you're still looking for a job, if you're also going out and saying, hey, here's the service that I provide people, mm-hmm. I think it's hugely beneficial, you know, reach out and, and book me and you can do almost all of that with no or really low cost. Agreed. Yep. It's not as hard as it used to be. The barriers to entry are definitely a lot lower. And so it opens the doors for good and bad (laughs) entrepreneurs (laughs) to enter the market. So standing out and, as you mentioned, having a presence that, that shows that you have expertise and things of that nature is so important. And LinkedIn is definitely the channel to do it. So with Camille Labs, what did you set up the business to be able to do for customers you serve? So the customers I serve are typically high growth tech companies or or tech startups that either are in the process of building and putting a product in market or already have a like a first MVP in, in market. But kind of the problem I solve is a lot of organizations, when they get into the R&D process with their product, they the, the product either can't keep up with the demands or they dump a whole lot of money into a, a, you know somebody developing a product and it's mostly done and it doesn't meet their needs or they can't get it done. So for example, I met with a potential client yesterday and you know, they've spent almost $100,000 over the last six months to get their product developed. And they saw what was supposed to be their beta yesterday. And they're, you know, they're feeling like it's more like an alpha. And so now they're trying to decide, do they go, do they, do they start over from scratch with a new development shop? Do they have somebody do an evaluation on the technology that they've built? And now 
they they are seeing that their market opportunity is passing them by. And so I help organizations get software out the door really, really, really quickly and make sure that it is really going to na- nail their business needs so it can help them grow and be successful. That's a big deal in these days where technology is, you know, coming at us real fast. Some folks have a great idea for a technology and takes so long to develop it that by the time it comes out, it's irrelevant or is a better way to skin that cat. Yeah. So I just help people do that. And it's, you know, that's my background. So it's, it was a natural place for, for me to end up. Uh, that's, that's kind of what I've helped companies do for, for several years now. And and yeah, it's really satisfying because it really is, it it stumbles people. And it it's mm-hmm. not like it only impacts people who aren't spending a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I've worked with organizations that have spent $2 million that and had software that was almost not usable. So, you know, it, 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 it doesn't seem to, it's like it's class ignorant. It doesn't care whether you spent $10,000 or, or a lot. Yeah. If you didn't figure out the right way to build your software right from the start, you're still probably in the same situation. Do you help them minimize technical debt? So yes. And also, you know, technical debt's a little bit of a a nuanced thing for some organizations, especially early on, taking on technical debt's the right choice to make, especially if they're in a hurry to get to market. Sometimes it makes sense to... Just like, just like sometimes it's the right time to take on debt as your organization, you know, financial debt. It's It can fuel your growth to not address some things that might down the road, you know, be gotchas on the technical debt side. Mm-hmm. So it's what I recommend for organizations when it comes to technical debt is you need to talk about it right from the beginning and have a really clear understanding of what your priorities are when it comes to your technological choices, because each of them is, is really it, everything affects everything else. And it's not actually simple. You know, it's, it, it's, it requires treating the non-functional attributes of the technology as the, in the same kind of prioritization framework that you might with features that you want to build. So for example, for security, Putting really heavy security on inside of your application is going to have an impact on your user experience. It's also going to make your application difficult to update and probably not as like performant as it would be if you didn't have a lot of security. It also makes your application secure, right? So it's a bunch of trade-offs. So looking forward with Camille Labs, what are what are your plans for growth and an evolution of the business? So I want to make sure I figure out some revenue sources that are kind of evergreen. And so some courses that I'm working on and some uh, digital kind of download things that I can go out and put on TikTok. And I'm trying to figure out how I can not have every dollar be something that I need to do myself. You mm-hmm. know? Oh, that's that awesome. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of my focus over the next Right now I have a couple of part-time clients and it's probably enough to, you know, keep me afloat so that I can use the other half of my time to really focus on how can I make more, more repeatable income that, that I don't have to generate by hand. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, you know, that's a ever evolving process and you've done development, technology development for years. It's the same thing with building a company. You have iterations that you do and you learn and try new things and it's constant iterations. So I certainly wish you the best in your journey ahead. It sounds like you have some great ideas planned that will help you scale yourself. So everything isn't one-to-one and you get a chance to be one-to-many or, you know, folks to do some self-learning on their own before they get to you. Yeah. Yeah. That's the plan. Well, fingers crossed, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, you have the control. That's one of the things that's great about this journey is you have the opportunity the opportunity to kind of test and put things out there and see if it works and quickly change it in three hours if you want to, right? Exactly. That's that's exactly the attitude. Yeah. So it's wonderful. So for, for listeners who may be interested in working with Camille Labs, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? And what can they expect in terms of like a collaboration and outcome when working with you? So they can go to to Cameo Labs at cmeolabs.com. They can book a, a discovery call with me and you know I'm, right now I'm I'm talking to a lot of people who maybe aren't even my clients, you know, really trying to kind of understand the types of questions people have. I've had a lot of people who are really interested in the fact that I'm doing this fractional thing. So I've mm-hmm. I've almost wondered if I should maybe start a small community around that. But but people are welcome to reach out to me and I'm happy to talk to them about, you know, their journey or whatever they're working on currently. As far as customers or people who want to work with me professionally, I typically will do a 30 minute discovery call to try and get a better understanding of their business or technology challenge or their current state that they're in. And then I will give them a proposal based on that conversation. And, you know, there's a lot of different types of engagements that I do, but the primary ones, I'm a big fan of immersive workshops. And so I take customers through kind of a road mapping exercise where we identify all their business goals and then build a roadmap for them around that and then a validation plan to make sure that those that functionality is going to you know actually drive their business results that they that they want and i have packages on different levels of engagements around that and then i also just do fractional product if if organizations wish they or felt like they could benefit from having a product manager you know it costs about about the same as they would pay for a full-time junior, junior, junior person. And I'm, you know, an executive level person that can really help steer their organization. So, so that's another, and that's just a, a monthly retainer that people pay me. That's fantastic to get access to you and all of your years of experience in that way is a big deal. And I I keep saying this, I think that's the way our our world is going, our country is going, is more of that kind of fractional work. And I think you're an example of it and hundreds of other people I know are examples of it working successfully. So I certainly wish you the best in your journey moving forward. And I and I'm sure you will find success as you move forward. Now, Thank you. You're welcome. I got two rapid fire questions that I'm asking everyone, just kind of lighten it up a little bit. What's your favorite book? Fiction or nonfiction? Either one. That's hard. 
you know, I'm a really, really big fan of Atomic Habits, and I just mm-hmm. keep reading it over and over again. I, I think it's a business book. I think it's a personal growth book. I think it's a guidebook to helping us be better people. Honestly, I just, I think it's a fantastic book. <laughs> and one tech tool that you can't live without. Canva. <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> and probably LinkedIn, to be fair, even though like I'm I never get mad at Canva like I do at LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. So Canva doesn't you don't have to deal with an algorithm. So uh, uh, it always works, right? It does. It does. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining today and I want to wish you a happy holiday. And you too, Monique, and it's been an absolute pleasure.